In today's Live Treasure podcast, could your excessive need to apologize all the time tell you something about the inner monologue within your soul? Hey everybody, I'm Aline Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries, and welcome to the Live Treasured Podcast. Hey, Treasured Tribe, good to come to you today for our next tip in our summer podcast series that we're doing called Shift Your Lips. Now, if you've been following us, you know that I wanted to go on a journey this summer about the words that were coming out of my mouth and invite you to do that with me. And so we decided to do a podcast series on 10 tips to shift your lips and to change your life. Now, if you're just starting joining with us, it's certainly not too late. Subscribe to the Treasured Ministries podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen, um, and you can begin back at our introduction episode. And then also, we've created a handout for you to give you sort of a roadmap of where we're going and just to create reminders of where we're trying to go. And you can download that by going to treasuredministries.com forward slash lips. And then I want to invite you to Um, Invite a friend to come along with you. You know, when I started this journey, it came out of a dinner I had with a very good friend, and it was out of that dinner that there was awareness that was brought to what was automatic inside of my life, that there were things that I would say out of self-deprecation, or like we're going to talk about today, that excessive need to apologize. And so, I wanted to make a shift. Once I brought awareness to what was automatic, I saw that I was doing it all the time. And the Bible is very clear that our words that we say have tons of power. And so today, the shift that we're going to be making is to begin to stop apologizing excessively. Now, let me see if this rings any bells to you. I'm sorry, I haven't gotten back with you. I'm sorry to text you so late. I'm sorry we had to meet at this time. I'm sorry you had to drive all the way here to see me. I'm sorry you had to do the dishes tonight. I'm sorry you had to pick me up. I'm sorry to bother you again with this request. I'm sorry, am I in your way? I'm sorry, were you waiting to use this? I'm sorry, I can't quite hear you. I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm so sorry, but I'm allergic to gluten. I'm sorry, but I have a lot going on in my family right now, and I just can't volunteer. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now, I'm not talking about owning when we make a mistake and coming to that person to sincerely, um, you know, apologize for what we've done wrong, but I want you to take this week and just look at how many times inside of an email or a text you're apologizing. And is it done excessively? Well, studies show that women do this. We have an automatic habit of apologizing excessively. Um, In fact, Harriet Lerner uh, has spent her lifetime studying this. And study after study shows that women apologize 
way more than men. If we walk into a meeting, I'm sorry I'm late. You know, we're just consistently um, apologizing. And so today, you know, I want to talk about that because, and what I want to just, the idea I want to get out to you, just a broad brushstroke that I want you to think about because saying I'm sorry is not necessarily a bad thing, but it could be the reflection of an inner monologue that we have buried within our soul. Our outer dialogue can reflect our inner monologue, okay? Now, Luke uh, 6.45 tells us that it is out, that what you say flows out of what is in your heart. And I'm wondering, could the I'm sorry's be because of something deeper going on inside of your life. Here's what Harriet says. She says, I've been investigating the subject of apologies for over a decade, and it's clear that over-apologizing can be about many things. It may be a reflection of low self-esteem, a diminished sense of entitlement, an unconscious wish to avoid any possibility of criticism or disapproval before it even occurs, an excessive wish to placate and please, some underlying river of shame, or a desire to show off what a well-mannered Brownie Scout one is. All right, so so what I'm saying here is that out of the overflow of your mouth, the consistent, constant, excessive apologies, that there, it could be a reflection of a deeper monologue, just this drumbeat in inside of your soul, lies that are not, um, that are not congruent with God's truth. And so we're going to be diving into that topic today. And I'm also going to be showing you some practical steps that you can take so you don't say I'm sorry all the time. Um, and and that, you know, because once I show you the whys of it, um, it always bugs me inside of a message when we don't have those practical tips for how to flip that over. Um, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So the very first thing of why we do this, why women do this, because it is a fact that women apologize more than men. That is a proven fact in study after study. But the first thing is, is that, you know, society has taught women to be nice. And so we act in ways that are congruent with what society expect. There is this cultural expectation or standard that women must be nice. Now, there's this really great book called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. It's written by Lois P. Frankel. And I actually bought this book because a very dear friend of mine who is just this godly woman just on fire for Christ, and she is an amazing mom. And when her daughter got her first job in corporate America after she graduated from uh, from college, she bought this book for her daughter. Now, my friend, she is the kindest, most gentle spirit woman who loves the Lord. Uh, and she's such a great mom. And so when she told me about this book that she bought her daughter, I wanted to get it for myself. And it basically helps women navigate 
um, through professional settings and shows them how their socialization to be nice gets in the way of, uh, of successful careers. And one of the things that she points out, and I'm reading actually from page one in her book, which I think is just a paramount point that goes back to this excessive need that we have to say I'm sorry all the time, is she says this, you are simply acting in ways consistent with your socialization or in response to cultural expectation. She goes on to say on page two, From early childhood, girls are taught that their well-being and ultimate success are contingent upon acting in certain stereotypical ways, such as being polite, soft-spoken, compliant, and relationship-oriented. Throughout their lifetime, this is reinforced through media, family, and social messages. It's not that women consciously act in self-sabotaging ways. They simply act in ways consistent with their learning experiences. And then in the following paragraph, she goes on to say, women are continually bombarded with negative reinforcement for acting in any manner contrary to what they were taught in girlhood. And as a result, they learn that acting like a nice girl is less painful than assuming behaviors more appropriate for adult women. And then she has in parentheses, and totally acceptable for boys and adult men. In short, women wind up acting like little girls even after they've grown up. And have you ever noticed that? That if a woman is confident, if she's direct, if she's assertive, she can be uh, thought of as mean or a bully uh, or a word that I'm just not even going to say because this is a Christian podcast, right? But if a man is assertive, if he is confident, and if he is direct, it's seen as a place of strength. And the bottom line is this, and this is another thing that Lois points out in her book, is that all behavior serves a purpose, right? And the purpose, potentially, that our excessive sorries might serve is that we want to be seen as a nice person. We want to be seen as polite. We don't think it's acceptable or it goes outside of that cultural standard if we're direct, right? And so this is why we consistently apologize. Well, why is that dialogue uh, creating so the inner log can be, I want you to think I'm polite, polite and nice. You know, I want to be accepted. I want to measure up to this cultural standard, right? And so, so if we want to be seen like that, it serves this purpose, you will think I'm nice. Well, what is the truth? You know, we, we talked about in the introduction episode that we're not going to use grit. Like, we're not going to just say, I'm never going to say something sorry again. We're going to get to the core issues. And the core issue of this is that God has called you not to be nice. I mean, when I think about nice, I think of somebody that is apologizing all the time or never saying no, right? But that's not what God has called you to do. God has called you to be kind. In other words, we can we can say things in a different way. We can say no in a different way, but not to just be a big people pleaser. There's a big difference in that. 
You know, the more I look inside of the Bible, the more I see these women that were okay with ruffling some feathers. I think about Deborah in Judges uh, chapter 5. I think about Abigail. I think about Sarah and Rahab. And what about Moses' mother who, who put Moses in, in, the, uh, in the basket and put him inside the Nile and went against the king's edict, right? So, you know, we can't be people pleasers all the time. And Deborah did not apologize when she stood up and, and went into battle. And Rahab did not apologize when she hid the spies. And sometimes I think that there is this biblical mindset that we're called to be nice. And if we're not nice, then we're not being a good Christian woman. And the problem with that is that you end up, well, you end up, I know for me, I ended up being really mad all the time because I wasn't really being honest, you know, with how I felt. And and so really what I want you to see in this is that standards produce shame. And if we're looking to get approval from others, we might consistently apologize so that other people will think that we are nice. You know, that is really idolatry. It doesn't matter what man thinks about us. It matters what God thinks about us. And the most important thing is that we were faithful in his eyes. There's a missionary's story that I love. Her name is uh, Gladys Allward. And, you know, so many, um, you could Google her name and just read her stories. But, you know, there were so many uh, things that she did uh, where she had to be strong and courageous and, and you know, not apologize. Um, she uh, was turned down to be a missionary. And when she went to uh, uh, missionary school, and she, she went anyway. She um, When she was in China, she went into the prisons and stopped a riot. And, you know, so I think that there's got to be this perception that while you and I are called to be kind, that love and kindness doesn't mean being a nice little yes girl all the time. It truly does not. All right. So that that is the first thing. That is the first thing. The second thing is this. The second thing is this. And let me just say one more thing on this. You know, on your tombstone, do you want it to say, man, she was really nice? Or do you want it to say she was faithful to the Lord? I want B. And so the apologies, the excessive apologies, it could be an indication that outer dialogue of an inner monologue that you must be nice to, you know, you must appear nice to everybody. All right. So just keep that in mind as a why. The next thing is false guilt. Apologizing for something that you don't even need to apologize for. Right. So if you grew up um, feeling responsible and guilt, um, guilt driven, let's say by the needs of your parents, you know, when this happens, you get used to it and you just consistently have your perceptors out for other people's feelings and other people's choices. And so we consistently, when this happens, you feel like you're continually having to explain yourself. False guilts 
tells you that you are to blame for something that has nothing to do with you. Let's say, for example, and here's a big one for me. When I set a boundary with somebody, and I'm getting a lot better in this, but there's always, the enemy will always try to pull in this tinge of guilt with setting a boundary. Boundaries are biblical. You can go on my YouTube channel. I've got um you know, several videos on how boundaries are biblical um, that you, if you go to our playlist, the um, Conquering Codependency, God's Way, you can find that there. But but my point is, is that, you know, God would give me a command and I, or a direction and I would go to set it and then there would be like this guilt that would come and grab me. And so even in the setting boundaries, there's always this, um, this I'm sorry or this explanation that tends to come with it. You know, in the beginning of the podcast, I had this example, I'm sorry, but I'm allergic to gluten. You know, that's setting a boundary and you don't need to apologize for that. And I think sometimes that uh, whatever it may be, our upbringing where our boundaries weren't uh, respected, maybe it could be in religious circles, um, or again, going back to that cultural need to be nice all the time that, that we don't want to say no. Here's another um, example. What about rest? You know, when you don't get back to everybody's email in 24 hours, right? And you feel like you need to apologize. I'm sorry it took me so long to get back to you, right? And so, you know, there's a sense of guilt that we all carry with, you know, the God-given need of rest. And you and I are being bombarded all day, every day with text and with email messages and with all these sorts of things going on. And so when that happens, right, you know, it's impossible for us to get back to everybody and we need to prioritize, uh, you know, directed by the Lord. And so it almost feels like, you know, that if we, um, don't get back to somebody right away. Like, you know, then there has to be this, I'm sorry with it. Or even when we take a day off, I'm sorry, but I was on vacation, right? And so, so we're apologizing for that, right? And, and the, the, the outer dialogue, the inner monologue is saying to you, it's not okay for you to set a boundary. You should feel guilty about that. It's not okay for you to, to take some rest. We'll feel, we will feel um, guilty about other people's choices. Like if somebody comes in late, we might say, I'm sorry that you had to rush. So we even are apologizing for other people. And that is not the burden that God has called us to carry. The truth is, here's the truth. The truth is, is that we need to apologize if we have done something wrong, but that God has not called us to take responsibility for another person's actions or feelings. So if you're apologizing excessively, could it perhaps be that you're carrying this false sense of guilt, which requires that you consistently have to excuse and explain yourself? The next thing is this. It is shame. Now, guilt says I did something wrong. Shame says there is something really wrong with me. There's a woman that I know and love. And when she was growing up, she was actually in an accident. She had a, um, it was a fire and there's a scar 
on her chest uh, from that fire. And she has told me that from that experience that she carries around this sense of shame. Now she knows in her head, right? Like she would never say I'm a bad person because this is something happened, but it's like this burden that she has carried. And in the last podcast, we talked a lot about this and, and really, you know, a lot of the words that we say when there's this inner river of shame in us that just has not been flushed out, right? It will come out in the things that we say, the self-deprecation and the constantly, you know, needing to apologize uh, to, to other people, right? And, um, and, and you know what? You know, the Bible tells us inside of Colossians, and I love this scripture. I love this scripture. Um, it says this in Colossians 1, 22, it says, Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Now listen to verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and firmly stand on it. Don't drift away from the assurance you receive when you heard the good news. We stand before God, holy and blameless, without a single fault. And um, the one that I love that had went through that burn experience, she is consistently apologizing and has carried around this shame because of that scar on her. I wonder how many of you listening today, there are emotional scars deep within and you feel like there's something wrong with you. And so because of that, every sentence, every action, it begins with, I'm sorry, but, right? Um, and so, you know, just look at that. Just look at that. And, and here's something else that I saw. Um, and the, the scripture that I'm going to give you to meditate on this week is Hebrews 10, chapter, uh, Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 14. But listen to this. It says this, under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before their altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away the sins. And, you know, um, uh, I thought about that and, and, you know, saying I'm sorry is not a sacrifice, but it is a way that we try to alleviate shame and guilt. Well, what happens? We can say it all day long. We can say it every day, but the guilt and the shame never go away. They never go away. And I thought about that um, correlation with that continual need to offer the sacrifices, right? Are, are you continually needing to apologize? And is it rooted in guilt and shame? Is it rooted in guilt and shame? Listen to what else Hebrews says. But our high priest, that's Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And so Jesus has taken our shame and our sins once for all time. Now, shame is created. 
Um, we talked about this last week. Shame is created by standards. And so the shame c- uh, standards that either we place on ourselves, religious standards, it could be cultural standards. So as we were talking about at the beginning, that standard of you must be nice, you know, to everybody, that's your role as a as a woman. Uh, and so when we don't meet that standard, right, then then there can be shame. Or let's say, I mean, I used to have, I, I just, I do not um, I am amazing in my yard, my garden. I'm a fantastic cook, but I hate housekeeping. I really do. So if you come over to my house, my kitchen will be a mess. I'm just saying. Now, I will I will cook you some amazing food, but my kitchen's going to be a mess. And you know, I used to feel shame over that, and I really don't anymore. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't, you know, pick up or, or do those things, but there's not this standard of perfection that I'm trying to live up to anymore. And so when people come into my house, I don't say, I'm so sorry, my kitchen is is a mess. I don't apologize for that. I, I just say, you know, um, let me let me get you some lemonade. You know how it goes. And and here's the thing: when I started living this way, it really took the focus off of me, and it allows other people in your presence to exhale as well when they know that they don't have to be perfect either. In fact, one friend of mine um, who leads a small group inside of her church, you know what she does before people come over? She actually is very neat. She's just neat by nature. But she says that she, on purpose, messes things up. I mean, not like there's a tornado that ran through the house, but so that it looks lived in. So that when people come over, that they feel comfortable that they can excel. All right. So shame comes from standards, right? But then also shame can come from mistakes that we've made in our past. We talked about this in our last episode. That's where you need to receive the forgiveness of Christ. You can go back and listen to episode one for more on that. And then also, though, shame can come from hurts from others. As I was talking about my friend that was burnt you know, um, we can have those burns inside of our soul from the way other people have treated us, you know, but Jesus is here to take away that shame. And that is not a burden uh, that he is asking us to carry. And it doesn't matter how much you say that you're sorry. It might elevate the guilt for a little bit, right? But not forever, And you need to be in a place where you've received Christ's forgiveness because only then can you really see, is this an offense that I truly need to apologize for and take responsibility over? Okay, so that's that. Okay, number four is this. Number four is this. We have learned through time to tiptoe instead of being direct about what we need. Now, whenever we need something, we apologize. I'm sorry, my car broke down. Will you come and pick me up? I'm sorry, I, I don't understand this. Can you please help me again? And so whenever we need something, um, we just have a problem with being direct. And I think that that outer dialogue points to this inner monologue that it's shameful to ask for help or that your needs 
really don't matter or that you, you know, operating outside of self-reliance, that there is a, there's a shame attached to that and, um, you know, that you should be really sorry that you asked for help. Or even this, you know, uh, for years when, when my kids were little, I would want to take a break from being a mom so bad, but I would not feel okay with asking for a mommy break. Um, what I wanted, because I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to take it. So what I wanted to do is I wanted my husband to suggest it for me. Does that make sense? I know it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And so kind of how I lived my life really in, in the codependency years was using that people-pleasing mechanism, which is really manipulation, to try to get other people to give me what I really needed instead of asking directly. And when you live your life that way, you really do not have practice with being direct. And I'll, I'll give you an example recently from my own life. So um, in, in 2020, in the summertime, I took a break, like a sabbatical from Treasured Ministries. And I did it because I was really burnt out. I mean, it was, it was I was in a really bad place with my emotional health and it was really scary. And my husband came to me and said, you will either stop Treasured Ministries or you will take a break. So I knew he was serious. So I just want you to know that I wasn't all, you know, spiritual and I take a break all the time and all that. But anyway, so I went on that break and it was so life-giving and honestly, for the ministry, so productive because I heard from God so clearly during that time. And, and there was all this inner healing that happened that needed to happen. And God just used that time to do amazing things. And one of the things that I saw was that, you know, that rest, you kind of need to get in a rhythm of rest in your life. And you need to make that decision yourself so that you can have times of pouring in to pour out to others. And so one of the things that I told myself is I said, you know, every summer I want to take a break uh, from having the weekly Zoom calls with, with Treasured Ministries. And so when summer was coming around, I was announcing to my Treasure Tribe group they were saying, what are we going to study next? And I was like, well, you know, uh, I, I'm going to take a break over the summer. Um, and I'm continuing to do work with Treasure Ministries, but I'm not going to do the weekly Zoom call. And But when I said it, I wasn't direct about it. I really tiptoed all the way around it. I came up with all these things. I know you're going to go on vacation, you know, and, and I'm just sorry, but I, you know, and I just went and and my tribe, one of the women in the tribe, she said to me, Eileen, this is your safe space too. And if you need to take a break, then that's what you need to do. And so I thought about that. And I said to myself, you know, I just admit it right in the tribe. I said, you know, it's hard for me to ask for help. And I mentioned that to you because I think that it's hard for us to take breaks. And I have to remind myself of this as well. Um, and inside of that experience, they were so gracious to me. But, you know, the, the bottom line is this, is that asking for help from God and from other people, it's completely biblical. 
It's completely biblical. God wants us to come to him. Think about your prayer life. He tells us to come and to ask for help. And if you don't have a lot of experience in asking for things directly, it can be really hard. You're used to apologizing for asking for help. And I'm preaching to the choir today for me on that one. And so, you know, we've got to start being direct, not saying, uh, for example, if you're trying to go past somebody, like if you're, you know, walking and, you know, somebody's in your way, instead of saying, I'm so sorry, can I get by? Just say, excuse me, please, I need to get by. Do you know what I mean? And so then there's a there's a directness, there's a confidence that comes from that. And so we need to really understand that if we're apologizing all the time when we're asking for our needs, right? Something that we need, that that's really not biblical. And honestly, you know, when we're in a relationship with people, how are they going to know, you know, if we need something if we don't ask them, right? So, um, so those are the four reasons, and there's probably more, but the bottom line is this that I want you to see today is that, you know, a lot of times our outer dialogue can reflect that inner monologue. And when the inner monologue is telling you things like your needs are not important, you should be ashamed for asking this, or things like you are a mistake, or you know, you're responsible for that other person's feelings, you're responsible for that other person's choices, you know, or, um, oh gosh, I mean, you are just not a nice Christian. Then we need to pause and we need to refocus on the truth. All right, so I'm going to give you some practical ways um, at how you can walk this out. The first thing is this, is to let the I'm sorry that you say, like, you know, don't flip to this. Now, then, then you become, I sorry, you're sorry about all the I'm sorry you're saying. But let the I'm sorry's that you're saying serve as an engine light to your soul. In other words, when you begin to excessively apologize, ask yourself, what is this telling me about my inner monologue? Could it be a river of shame? that needs to be dealt with. Well, the only way you're going to deal with that is to receive God's forgiveness, right? Could this perhaps be a standard inside of my culture that God has not asked me to live up to or a standard of perfection that I've put on myself? Could this perhaps be that I am afraid to ask for what I need or I feel like that doing that uh, imposes on people? You know, here's the other thing about that. Let me just digress and jump back into something. But when you're asking for help from somebody else, a lot of times they, I mean, it's like a blessing for them to be a part of what you're doing or or to help you, you know? And it's really people that are so self-reliant, which I have to guard myself on that. But then, you know, those are the people we, you know, we, it's, it's like, so much more fun to do things inside of community and it's God's way. And it brings people so much joy to to be able to help. So so don't don't be afraid to ask. All right. So the I'm sorry now is going to serve as an engine light to your soul. What is this telling me about my inner monologue? And then the second thing that I want you to ask yourself is can I rephrase this? 
Can I rephrase this? So um, inside of the 10 tips to tame your lips handout, we said to trade the I'm sorry for a thank you. So that's one thing that you can do. Here are some examples. You can say thank you instead of I'm sorry. If you're saying I'm sorry I haven't gotten back with you, why not say thanks for your patience? If you're saying, I'm sorry to text you so late at night, why don't you say, hey, are you awake? I'd love to share something with you. Thanks for taking the time to talk. If you're saying, I'm sorry we had to meet at this time, why not say, thanks for making the time to meet with me at such a busy time of the year, day, etc. Instead of saying, I'm sorry you had to do all the dishes tonight, why don't you say, thank you so much for helping me do the dishes tonight. If you said, I'm sorry you had to pick me up, why don't you say, thank you for picking me up when my car broke down. That really made my day in the middle of everything going wrong. You're a great friend. So see how you can take the I'm sorry and flip it to thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for being flexible. And when you do that, it takes the focus off of you And you're pouring out gratitude to somebody, which is going to make them feel good. And that's a shift in your lips that can not only change your uh, outside dialogue to change your inner monologue, it can bless somebody else. The other thing is begin to be direct. If there's a need that you have, like if you need to get by somebody or whatever it may be, start being direct and confident. Instead of saying, I'm sorry to bother you with this request. Why not just ask your question? I mean, it's that simple. And just be direct. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, am I in your way? Say, excuse me, coming through. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Instead of saying, I'm sorry, were you waiting to use this? Why not say, I'll be finished in five minutes. And then I'll give you a chance. Or you know what? Here's the other thing. Sometimes you really don't need to say anything. Sometimes we feel like we have to explain ourselves all the time. We really don't. All right, here's the other one. I'm sorry I can't quite hear you. Instead say, excuse me, can you speak a little louder? It's important to me to hear what you are saying, and I'm having trouble hearing you. What about this one? I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Trade that with, let me see if I understand correctly. And then repeat what the person said. Now, so we have two things. We have trade, I'm sorry for thank you. We have ask directly, be confident. And here's the other one. And this one comes into play a lot of times when we're trying to set a boundary and feel guilty. And that's saying, I'm sure you'll understand. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, but I'm allergic to gluten, just say, I'm allergic to gluten, and I'm sure you'll understand, or I'm sure you understand. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, but I have a lot going on now with my family, and I can't volunteer, why not just say, I would love to be helpful right now, but at this time in my life, I need to put my focus on my family at home. I'm sure you understand. 
And see how that's just different than trying to explain away and the whole guilt thing about setting the boundary, okay? So let's go back to how we're going to fix this. The number one thing was to let the I'm sorry serve as an engine light into your soul. What is the outward dialogue telling you about your inner myologue? And then does this line up with God's truth? Number two, can you rephrase this? Change the I'm sorry to a thank you, change the I'm sorry to I know you'll understand, change the I'm sorry to to just being direct and asking your question. Um, And then the third thing is um, that you need to ask yourself this too. You need to know where you draw the line with responsibilities. And you really need to ask yourself, is this really something that I should be apologizing for? And sometimes you don't even need to say you're sorry for anything. And a big one for me is that I'm not responsible for how people feel. When you have a codependent background, you are consistently scanning the emotions of others. And you feel guilt-ridden and like you have to apologize because other people and how they feel somehow it's it's your fault and if you change and and here's the bottom line everybody's responsible for their feelings and that can be a very freeing truth to come into but it also has this um, packaged up in it that you also must take responsibility for your feelings right so there's it's kind of a two two-way street there, right? But, and then other people's choices. I'm not responsible for other people's choices and I'm not going to make other people responsible for mine, right? That's not something that you need to apologize for. It's not. Um, And then, you know, really, really what would be beautiful is to meditate on Hebrews 10, 1 through 18, That really goes into the heart of the fact that Jesus has carried our sins once and for all. And you can find a verse within that scripture, one that you can speak back to the enemy instead of apologizing when you feel like you need to. The other part about shame is that sometimes shame and those guilt-ridden messages that are carrying over into your adult life, they take a while for you to um, flush out of your system with truth, for you to renew your mind on. So don't expect it to happen right away, but just see this I'm sorry as an opportunity to take your thoughts captive and to speak the truth. And the last thing that I want to say about this is watch for extremes. Uh, Because I can tend to be extreme girl, right? Like, okay, then I'm never saying I'm sorry again. And that's, that's like using your grit, like creating these new rules for your life because you've learned and you, but it's about flowing with the Holy Spirit, right? And so, so if you have made a mistake, definitely own it, right? Watch out for the extreme flipping all the other way. But oh my goodness, treasured tribe, now is the time when you and I stop this excessive apology to live in the abundance and the freedom that Jesus died to give you and me.
And that is all of our podcast today. I want to encourage you to go to uh, treasuredministries.com forward slash lips if you haven't already and download the 10 tips to tame your lips. And every week, come back and join me for this podcast. Now, this coming up week, if you want for further study, you can go to Hebrews chapter 10 and meditate and read through verses 1 through 18. You can apply the Nourish Method to them. You can get out a journal and just journal your thoughts. And then the other thing that I want you to really do is every time you're tempted to say, I'm sorry, just stop for a minute and walk through what is this telling me about my inner monologue? Can I rephrase this? Is there a deeper thing going on here? And then begin to make small changes because small changes, the changes we make with our tongue spark big differences deep within our soul. Thanks so much for joining in, everybody. And if you'll take about one minute to go to iTunes and rate our podcast, that would be amazing because this helps for Treasured Ministries to expand our reach to help more women. Have a fantastic week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.